Broadcasting live from the KVXL studios at Liberty Baptist Church in Las Vegas. Freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. The Frittle Show with Crystal Heath. I've said that we must be cautious in claiming God is on our side. I think the real question we must answer is, are we on His side? Faith, family, freedom. For me, it's very simple. I think we've got to, we've got to get the country back on the right track with the most inspiring agenda. A voice in the desert. Now, here's Crystal Heath. Hello, Las Vegas. I'm Crystal Heath. You're listening to The Frittle Show on KVXL 11.1 FM Experience Liberty Radio. We are podcasting on iTunes and SoundCloud. If you are on either one of those, be sure to hit like, subscribe, share these episodes with your friends if you would. Let us know your thoughts on the program. If you have ideas, if you have topics, if you were like, I really just wish you would talk about this. We want to know. You can find us on Twitter and Facebook. Just search for The Frittle and you can leave comments, questions, remarks, thoughts, concerns, all the things on one of our public social media pages there. Today we are talking conventions and the coronavirus. I read a fun statistic earlier this week that said that right now if you are under, I believe it's under the age of 45 and in good health, you have a better chance of winning the lottery as an American than you do of catching the coronavirus. Something to think about. You also have a better chance of being struck by lightning. Not as fun to think about. But it does give a little bit of perspective. But we'll talk about the coronavirus more in just a little while. What's happening here in Las Vegas, how we are preparing for it, and a city that is shutting down here in the United States because of the corona coronavirus. But let's start with Super Tuesday. I, I got to tell you, I should have stuck with my gut all along. For those of you that have been listening to this program for a while, you know I've, I've been saying for a long time, that I thought Biden was the only one who could do this thing. Biden, the only one who could win, and I didn't know how he would do it or why, but that it was just going to end up being Biden. But then, as time went on, particularly in the last couple of months, and Bernie just picked up all this momentum, and Biden's just been stumbling all over himself, I wavered. You know, my faith in Joe Biden wavered. I was like, I don't know if this guy actually can pull this off. And so I doubted. I doubted. But you can put me back in the belief column. I think that Democrats are starting to rally now behind Biden. And I think that was demonstrated pretty strongly on Super Tuesday. Sanders had a resounding win in California and, of course, carried... um, uh, Can't think right now. Colorado, his home state of Vermont... But Joe Biden swept the South, won Massachusetts, Minnesota, and pretty much with his showing on Super Tuesday has completely reinvented this race. What looked like Sanders pretty much had it in the bag, Joe Biden may be doing something about rewriting the way that history has always told us these primaries and early states will go. Mike Bloomberg has dropped out of the race after spending more than $5.1 million on each Super Tuesday delegate he won, which I believe was five, 
from American Samoa? Apparently, in American Samoa, Michael Bloomberg is a big deal. So, there is that. Perhaps he could run for... I don't know, even actually. This, this... <laughs> I am so ignorant on this topic. Do they even have a governor? Do they have some sort of... They have some sort of governing body. Uh, maybe he can be elected to something in American Samoa. Hmm. But Bloomberg spent $224 million in ad spending in Super Tuesday states. $5.1 million per delegate that he earned. His most expensive buy was in Texas, where his $54 million in advertising there bought him a total of four delegates, if you will. Oof. Fun fact. <laughs> Bloomberg's $550 million in, in ad spending to win, the, to win American Samoa. In 2016, American Samoa's GDP was $658 million. Think about that. Michael Bloomberg spent nearly as much on this race as the entire gross domestic product of American Samoa in the year 2016. That's a lot of money. I can't, I can't even wrap my head around how much money that is. I, I can't imagine being at a place in life where you're like, oh yeah, I'm going to spend $550 million to run for president, but it's no big deal. I'll be fine. Yeah, no, it's fine. It's like if I were to walk up to someone and be like, all right, I'm going to support this candidate for uh, state assembly. And here, let me go ahead and give you uh, give you 20 bucks. Yeah, no big deal. I'll, I'll be okay. I'll be okay. Really, it's not. It, it's okay. No big deal. It's all good. I just want just to do my part. 20 bucks. There you go. That, that's how I feel like Mike Bloomberg is with this whole thing. And I feel like that's actually a pretty, a pretty fair comparison. To, uh, to my personal budget. But um, also why when people say, Oh, Crystal, why don't you run for office? I just kind of chuckle. Because, see, I've been the person that fills out campaign finance reports. I've seen people who spend life savings running for office only not to win. And I'm going, yeah, no, I Crystal doesn't have that kind of money. That is not how God has chosen to bless me. He's given me a lot of other things. But that is not the way. To where I am, you know, financially independent enough to where I could just self-fund myself into office. Not, yeah, no, it's expensive. Running for office is expensive. Now, not always Mike Bloomberg levels of expensive, but it's not cheap. It is not cheap. So anyway, uh, Biden, huge victory in Alabama, winning roughly 7 in 10 black voters who made up about half of the Democratic electorate on Super Tuesday. In Arkansas, Biden wins there with 40% of the vote. California, Sanders, big win for Sanders in California. That is what is keeping him in this thing. Colorado, also Sanders, Maine. Uh, Biden, a, a very close, very close race in Maine. Basically, Biden and Sanders are going to split that one when all is said and done. Big upset was Biden 
winning in Massachusetts. Why is that a big upset? Because that is the home state of Elizabeth Warren. Warren finished in a pretty abysmal third place in her home state and then on Thursday of this week suspended her campaign. My guess is that she is now accepting phone calls for who would like her to serve as their vice presidential candidate. Best part of Elizabeth Warren's campaign also came, I think it was, I think it was what happened on Thursday as well. The best thing about Elizabeth Warren, by far, in my opinion, is her adorable golden retriever named Bailey. And I love that Bailey went on the campaign with the Warrens and following the uh, the announcement of the campaign suspension, there was a video posted on Twitter of Bailey just 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 took somebody's burrito right out of their hand. And he <laughs> and there's this video of staffers trying to pry his mouth open. I have been there. My Goldens do this. I try to tell people, especially kids, don't have your food on their level. They think that that means you want to share because that is just what Goldens do. They they are they are friendly and sharing and caring, and they think that you should be caring and sharing too. And they're trying to buy this burrito out of this dog's mouth. And I'm like, just just let Bailey have the burrito. Like, you will probably do more harm to yourself and to Bailey trying to remove that burrito than just letting Bailey eat the burrito. My favorite comment on Twitter was uh, they posted, somebody retweeted this video and said, when the family no longer has to behave for the sake of the campaign. It's pretty, pretty good. Good stuff. Minnesota, after Amy Klobuchar left the race and endorsed him, Biden won by significant margins there. North Carolina, handily going to Biden. Uh, winning by almost 20 percentage points over Bernie Sanders in North Carolina. In Oklahoma, again, huge victory for Biden. Almost 15 percentage points in Oklahoma over Sanders. Tennessee, Biden carried all but four of the 95 counties in Tennessee. Wow. In Texas, Biden again carried roughly 6 in 10 black voters, won the areas of Houston and Dallas-Fort Worth, handily winning Texas. Not not as, this wasn't like the 15-20% margins, but he also beat Sanders in Texas. That is where, if Sanders had managed to do better in Texas, we could be looking at a little bit of different numbers, but that's where it ended up. Uh, Utah, Bernie Sanders wins uh, big in Utah. And in Vermont, obviously, 51% for Sanders in Vermont. Think that guy isn't loved in his home state? He is. Uh, In Virginia, Biden carried 94 of the 95 counties. And all but two of its independent cities. Bernie Sanders won in Harrisonburg and Charlottesville. You want to take a wild guess at what happens to be in Harrisonburg and Charlottesville, Virginia? Two of the state's largest college towns. So the man that's promising to pay off your student loans, one with the college kids. James Madison University being in Harrisonburg and the University of Virginia being in Charlottesville. (laughs) Not necessarily shocking. All right, so where does that leave us? Uh, Some... We're still waiting on some 
results. Some of it, there's always the little outliers and um, absentee ballots and things of that nature. But right, uh, hovering right about Biden's in the lead, has about a 65-ish delegate lead over Bernie Sanders. Warren is way behind. Like 500 delegates worth of behind in third place. Tulsi Gabbard, the only other remaining Democrat in the race with one delegate. And of course, then Mike Bloomberg has his 53 delegates. Mayor Pete has his 26 delegates. And Senator Klobuchar has her seven delegates. Those will get uh, realigned presumably at the Democratic National Convention. Now, this thing is far from over. Yes, Biden had a huge day that has essentially recreated this race as one between himself and Bernie Sanders. However, for a Democrat to win the nomination prior to the convention, they need almost 2,000 delegates. They need 1,991 delegates to win the nomination. So where does that leave us? What happens next? Well, I'm waiting for one of these guys to align more closely with someone in an attempt to push themselves over the top. As in, remember when Ted Cruz picked up Carly Fiorina in a last-ditch effort to try and outdo Donald Trump for the presidential GOP presidential nomination the last time around? I'm kind of thinking that that may happen. Possibly, unless it stays. I I don't know. I it could. I don't know. Could be wrong. I feel that the early dropouts may have been trying to position themselves for one of those possible VP slots. So, uh, Mayor Pete, Amy Klobuchar, and now you have Elizabeth Warren as a possibility there as well. I think her chances of being VP are better than any of the other dropouts, if you will, and obviously she would align more closely with the ideals of Bernie Sanders. So will Sanders give her a call or will Biden give her a call? Who's going to make her the best offer or is she going to hold out to see who the nominee is so she doesn't burn either bridge and then hope to get on their ticket following the nomination? I don't know. We'll see, but I, I would not be surprised in the least if Elizabeth Warren becomes the vice presidential nominee. And then, of course, there is still Tulsi Gabbard. Highly unlikely that she will win the presidential nomination, but she could position herself to be second in command. It should, presuming they would win in November, which I, I don't think the ticket would, but you never know. Up ahead, uh, next week, I believe it is next week, is next week the 10th? Yes. So next week we have another big Tuesday. We have uh, six states voting on March 10th, Idaho, Michigan, Mississippi, Missouri, North Dakota, and Washington state. So we will be interested to see what happens specifically in Washington, which you would think would do well for Sanders, but they've got some issues right now with the coronavirus that may cause some interesting things uh, with the primary there. We'll see. Then we have uh, some of the islands will be caucusing later on in the week. The following Tuesday, March 17th, Arizona, Florida, Illinois, and Ohio uh, will caucus. Then, uh, then we have kind of a little bit of a break until 
April. Then in April, beginning of April, we'll see Alaska, Hawaii, Wyoming, Louisiana, Wisconsin. The end of April, Connecticut, Delaware, Maryland, New York, Pennsylvania, and Rhode Island. And then uh, we don't wrap things up officially until uh, June 7th. Well, that's the Republican primary in Puerto Rico. They have theirs the end of March for the Democrats. But the Virgin Islands will have their Democratic caucus June 6th. But by then, it will already you know, pretty much be determined. The last big day doesn't come until June 2nd, but I think that we'll have a pretty clear picture before then as well. But maybe not. We'll see. But uh, Washington, D.C., Montana, New Jersey, New Mexico, South Dakota uh, will we'll, uh, we'll be having their elections on June the 2nd. So what happens if we get to the Democratic National Convention and no one has reached the magic number? And I, I, it's, it's so interesting to me that we are having the same conversation, I feel like, that we were having the last time around on the Republican side of things. It's just, it's so fascinating to think about. But anyhow, um, the Democratic National Convention is scheduled for July in Milwaukee. So normally by the time you get to a convention, the, you have a candidate that already has the majority of delegates that are pledged to them on the first uh, ballot or the first round of voting. And so it's pretty much a done deal. It's possible that this time around, just like it was possible with the Republicans the last time around, that that will not happen. There's a total of almost 4,000 delegates, 3,979 delegates up for grabs. Okay, again, 1,991 is the magic number. So if no one reaches that number of delegates prior to the convention, if no one's going into this thing as the clear winner, then get this. This is where things get absolutely crazy in the Democratic convention it's it's i it would be it would be absolutely incredible and this is why mike bloomberg i think almost stayed in because if no one reaches that magic number in the first ballot <laughs> okay are you ready for this all of the delegates become unbound and are free to support whoever they want That is absolutely, um, it, I, I <laughs> imagine that. Imagine the chaos. So, so look, think about it this way. So, if Bernie Sanders, let's say, is going into the convention with one thousand eight hundred delegates, and Biden a couple hundred delegates behind, and then Warren and whatever else. No one gets the nomination on the first ballot. And then everybody's released. And then Biden wins the nomination. It, it could happen. It could happen. It, it could. It, it, I don't even know if it has to be. Well, I'm not going to. I'm not going to say that because I don't know. I don't know the accuracy of that. So I'm not going to say that. But then then you have superdelegates. The superdelegates are automatic delegates. If there's, if there's a second ballot needed, they're generally, these, these people, these superdelegates are current or former party leaders and members of Congress. There are 775 Democratic superdelegates. But eight of them, who represent Democrats living outside the United States, only have half a vote. So you have 771 new votes that come into play 
for the second ballot. That means if it reaches a second ballot, you no longer just need the 1991. Now you need 2,375 and a half vote. <laughs> this, this is probably my favorite part of the whole thing. Like, you, you, you have to have 2,375 and a half. If you have 2,375, no. You have, to, you have to have that extra half of a vote. Then there goes to a third ballot, much like what we saw with the caucuses in Iowa and, uh, and, and Nevada, places that have a caucus. The convention will work largely like a caucus. I, I really kind of want to see what would happen <laughs> if no one wins on the first ballot and they get to a second ballot and, and they have to get the half vote. I just, I just want somebody to have to have a half of a vote because that would just be so very special. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Maybe I just find it amusing because politically minded. I don't know, but I just, I just find it so funny. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> that was a great transition because now we're going to talk about the coronavirus, which by the way, if you're coughing, sneezing, don't do that into your hand like I literally just did and thought, oh, well, that was not acceptable. No, if you're coughing and sneezing, you need to be doing that into your elbows, right? So take your whole arm, put it across your face, and then you cough or sneeze into the inside of your elbow. A couple reasons for that. One. Uh, if you're coughing or sneezing inside of your hand, you're more likely then to spread those germs around to yourself or other people. Where you're like, well, they're my germs. Yeah, but you're right. If you're coughing into your elbow, there's less chance that those germs are spreading someplace or going someplace. And last time I checked, in this country at least, we don't generally greet people with an elbow shaking. Like, we don't lock arms and shake elbows. That would be strange. Sometimes there's like the elbow, like you you do almost like a fist bump, but with the ed outside of your elbow, but that's the outside of your elbow, which you, go ahead, try. Try and sneeze into the outside of your elbow. I, I dare you. It won't work. Okay, so nobody's in danger from your germs from the outside of your elbow. Washington County has recommended that all of its 2.2 million residents stay home from work and has advised everyone over the age of 60 to stay indoors. King County in Washington State, 31 coronavirus cases have been uh, found, nine deaths have been reported. The county is asking that all of its businesses allow its employees to work from home for the month of March because they're saying that this is a critical period in the outbreak and in reducing uh, the spread of the disease. So essentially what happened is you had an employee from Facebook and an employee from Amazon, which are both uh, headquartered in uh, Seattle, had this, have, have been diagnosed with COVID. Then you also have Microsoft there. You just have a lot of the technology hub in the area being affected by this. So it's not so much... Uh, how do I want to say this? 
So you have like tech type jobs where people are working on computers, from computers, and the county saying, look, if your employees don't need to be in the building, if there is any way that they can work from home, that would be advisable, especially in the places where we know you've already had a case or of this of this happening. They've also closed schools in the area, and this is something that could happen uh, in Las Vegas here in Nevada. So my recommendation is, you know, don't. The pastor and I recorded a, 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 an announcement uh, about the coronavirus and some things that you can do, and that'll that'll air a couple times here on our station. But just to reiterate, you know, there are, there are things that you can do to avoid this. And like I said at the beginning, at this point, as an American, you literally, your odds are higher of winning the lottery or of being struck by lightning than they are of you getting the coronavirus. That said, you should exercise the same caution that you hopefully generally would regardless. You should wash your hands regularly with soap and warm water. That doesn't mean pump the soap into your hand, rinse it off. No, no, no. Wash your hands. Have you ever watched uh, any movie with any sort of doctor and watched them scrub? That's what you should be doing. Scrub the hands. Teach your children to scrub their hands. Keep hand sanitizer around. When you're going to the gas station, you're going to the grocery store, if you're, if you're pushing a grocery cart, get that little sanitizing wipe. Wipe off that handle. It takes 10 seconds and it could save you a lot of, of time and health. When you get in and out of your car, use a hand sanitizer. Okay, you can you can buy little personal travel hand sanitizers. I know that a lot of the bigger stuff is sold out, but you can still buy the little ones at all kinds of different places. Even just like Bed Bath and you can buy the hand the the little individual ones. So get some hand sanitizer, use it. And if you get sick, and uh, go to the doctor. If the doctor tells you to stay home, please, please stay home. There was a guy in New Hampshire who was sick. He had a fever. He had respiratory problems. He was advised to stay home. He went to the doctor. The doctor said, stay home. Instead, he went and partied with some friends at Dartmouth. A few days later, he was officially diagnosed with the coronavirus. And we have now at least one other new patient who was at the same party who has the coronavirus. Here's the thing. You can't prosecute someone for stupidity unless their brand of stupidity happens to be against the law. Right now, it's not against the law to ignore the medical advice of your doctor if your doctor advised you to stay home. But please... Please just stay home. The world will not stop turning. Your job will make it. And I guarantee you, right now in today's environment, if you call your boss and you're like, hey, I have flu-like symptoms and uh, fever and respiratory problems, and my doctor advised that I stay home, (laughs) I have a feeling your boss is going to be like, oh yeah, that's a good idea. How about if you stay home for a, a while? Just be smart. The coronavirus mimics the flu. Very, very similar to the flu. 
But there are differences. Shortness of breath. So generally speaking, if you have the flu, you feel absolutely miserable. You've probably had it before. I've had the flu. feel absolutely miserable. I don't remember one time having the flu and having shortness of breath. Doesn't mean it can't happen. But if you have a flu-like symptoms with shortness of breath and abdominal issues like diarrhea, those are not normal flu symptoms. At least not in my experience. Maybe your flu is like that. If so, I'm sorry. You have a weird version of the flu that is just really nasty. Or maybe you have the coronavirus, okay? <laughs> like, um, so if you, if you have what feels like a flu, and coughing, coughing is another one that's not really a flu type thing so much. I don't, I don't know what your flu feels like, but my flu just feels like absolute misery. Not necessarily coughing, though. Not shortness of breath. Not intestinal issues. If you get those, go to the doctor. Prevent yourself from getting those. Build up your immune system. Eat foods that are good for you. You say, well, what foods would you say are good for me? Okay, here's a simple way to figure out foods that are good for you. If your mom had to tell you to eat it when you were younger and you hated it, it's probably good for you. Now, I'm not talking about, like, liver. If your mom was a liver person, praise the Lord, my mother was not. I'm talking broccoli, carrots, oranges, spinach, things that are full of vitamins and minerals, things that do not come prepackaged. Eat vegetables and fruits. Eat eggs. Eat stuff that is good for you. Help your body have its best possible chance to not get this thing. And if it did, to beat it off. As far as those of us here in Las Vegas, we have had a number of individuals tested for the coronavirus. Uh, hundreds currently under supervision here. And uh, th there is regular um, meetings happening between uh, our elected officials and emergency personnel as to how to uh, how our city would deal with this if this becomes a large issue here in the city. At the moment, it is not. And remember, uh, because we live in a city, it is likely that we will have cases here. We are, we are a, a tourist destination. It is likely that it is coming here. Now, whether we will reach a point like Seattle where people are being advised to stay home remains to be seen. But as it is a possibility, I would encourage you to just, you know, have... Some things on hand in case it is advised that your children or that you stay home in the future. You know, just just buy some essentials, things that you will use in time anyway. But that would be good to have on hand if you are homebound for a week or two. I'm not saying go crazy. I'm not saying you need to build a storehouse like you had for Y2K when the world was going to end. I'm just saying. Maybe have a couple extra bottles of water. Maybe get a, a an extra uh, thing or two of, of toilet paper. You know, just, just things that you're going to potentially need. 
We're gonna put some bread in the freezer. Buy some soups. But don't panic. Again, the odds of you getting the coronavirus. You, you have a better chance of winning the lottery or getting struck by lightning. Okay? So don't panic. And pray for our leaders. Pray for uh, Vice President Pence as he leads our our nation's initiative against combating this thing. He offered prayer for for the the victims of the coronavirus and their families and, and protection for for the, the 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 country and he was mercilessly mocked. But in reality, prayer is the most effective weapon we have against this thing. Because it's invisible. It doesn't walk up to you and say, Hi, I'm the coronavirus. Can I hang out with you for a while? That's not how it works. So we'd be smart. We wash hands. We use hand sanitizer. We sterilize areas that we're in. We encourage our kids to do that. But we also pray for God's protection. And that's how we beat this thing. And I believe that we will. So uh, don't panic. Be smart. Be prepared. But remember, don't worry. And honestly... No, I'm not going to say that, because telling you to go out and buy a lottery ticket is not something that I would ever do. But if you were going to try and go buy a, a mask to protect you from this thing, it won't. So there are better ways to invest uh, your money right now. Okay? All right. That's it. You are welcome for this public service announcement and explanation of Super Tuesday. What happens if we get to the Democratic Convention without a clear winner? I just really, I really want the second round of voting just so we can have to win by half a vote. Oh, yes, that would be a beautiful thing. Beautiful thing. Interesting to see what happens in in Washington State for their primary if everyone is, uh, is home for the coronavirus. But c'est la vie. We'll see what happens. God is in control of everything, including COVID. Look forward to seeing you and your family here at church on Sunday. If you're in Las Vegas, we'd love to have you join us for our services 9.30, 11.15 Sunday morning or 6 p.m. Sunday evening. On Wednesday nights, you can join us at 7 o'clock. Thanks so much for being with us, and we will see you again next time here on The Friddle Show.